Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Dr. Dana Cohen is an internal and integrative medicine physician here in New York City and the best-selling author of a fascinating book called Quench. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to cover all things hydration. Dana, welcome. Thank you for having me. So hydration, huge topic. We don't talk enough about it at the highest level. Why the subject of hydration for you? Why water and how do we do it better? Um, it's a funny story. I worked for Dr. Atkins for right out of residency. So I've always known the importance of having a platform and writing a book literally for many years. And I've racked my brains. What could I write my book on? How do I affect the most people? I do a ton of like hormone replacement and thyroid replacement in my practice, but I didn't want to write another book on that where you have to go see your doctor, get levels checked. And, you know, I wanted to really find what I could affect the most people. And when my co-author came into my office one day to talk to me about the work of Dr. Gerald Pollack, who's a world-renowned water researcher, she blew my mind about this idea of there's another phase of water that's being that has been discovered. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> another phase of water. We know that water exists as liquid ice and vapor. It's the simplest molecule in the world turns out it's not so simple. And and when she started to tell me about it, I just looked at her and I said, oh my God, I've been searching for my book. I know the importance of hydration from my patients. I said, do you want to write this book? She's, she said, yes. And that's when we really started to to dive into the research. And and when I committed to it, I was like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? Because it's way more complicated than I ever imagined. But it turns out that it is, and I say this in every podcast, the single most important thing we can do is to learn how to hydrate properly to treat and prevent chronic illness. Really powerful statement. So before you start any diet, any nutrition plan, any new thing, you need to learn how to hydrate first and then go from there. So how do we properly hydrate and what are we getting wrong about hydration? Yeah, so it's, it is a little complicated, but so it's multi-level. There's not a there's not a quick down and dirty test that we can do to measure this sort of subclinical or low grade dehydration, which is what I'm talking about. We we know what we know what overt dehydration looks like. We know when our eyes are sunken in our head after we've been vomiting for hours, you need to go to the hospital and our electrolytes are off. But I'm talking about this day in, day out, low grade dehydration that affects almost all of us. Um, and and there's signs and symptoms. You need to live in your body. You need to not be cut off from your neck down and feel what it feels like to be properly hydrated. And it's different for everybody. That's, you know, it's a little bit of a problem. So it's really different for everybody. It depends on on what we do for exercise. How much do we sweat? How big are we? How much muscle mass do we have? What do we eat? What medications do we t- take? What kind of environments do we live in? And then 
some of the symptoms you want to look for is, and I think the biggest one is that afternoon fatigue. We all think, oh, my blood sugar's dropping. Let me eat something. Let me eat some carbs because I'm I'm so I'm crashing at my desk. It may I think most of the time it's not that. It's you're just not properly hydrated. So you need to think about that. If you're fatigued, if you're achy, if you're headachy, if you're constipated, some easy little things to look for is check the color of your urine. Is your urine a nice straw colored or a pale yellow? You don't want it to be clear and you don't want it to be very concentrated or dark. That's that's something to look at. An even better thing is, are you getting up to pee every two or three hours during the day? We're meant to do that. And I don't think most of us do that because we're so focused on sitting at our computers all day and working harder and working that I, I know I've done it. I've sat at my desk for 10 hours straight and not gotten up to pee and not good. <laughs> So, so there are some things that you could do. So there's a lot there in terms of, yes. we'll call it low grade dehydration. And I think you know, fatigue, look at the color of your pee. Those are some big ones. I think it's interesting that you brought up that afternoon slump, because I think that's a good question. Am I really tired or am I dehydrated? And the, the two hour rule is something I think we lose sight of. That's a real one for me. I am curious again, understood we're all unique individuals, but I'm sure you know, I've heard a zillion times the eight glasses of water a day. Is there a general rule of thumb, depending on your size, how physically active you are? Like, is there any sort of general rule of thumb in terms of how much water we should be drinking on a daily basis? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there's not, but let me tell you why. Um, so eight glasses of water a day, it, it just comes from really nowhere. It's it's like the food pyramid. It's people sitting around saying like, oh, this is what it should be. Never been tested. And how can you say a hundred pound woman versus a 220 pound athlete require, both require the same amount of water. So it doesn't make any sense. If you you know, tied my hand around my back and I had to give you a rule of thumb, a better rule of thumb would be half your weight in ounces of water. That's a little bit better. It's still not good because I like to use this example. You go on a ketogenic diet or a carnivore diet, you're probably more like you need 75% of your weight in ounces because it's a dehydrating diet. Or you're somebody who is sweating all day long and working out tons. So there's, it's impossible to give a rule of thumb on how much water you should be drinking. The other thing is there's this whole new thing about drinking a gallon of water a day, which is 16 glasses of water a day. And that may be fine for some people. For a lot of people, it's probably not. It's probably too much water and you can overdo it. There is a balance. The only way to know is to live in your body, know what it feels like to feel terrific and and start from there and then and once you have that set point it is a day in day out hour by hour thing that you need to stay on top of that's the one hard rule that i have to say like i try to make it as easy as possible in the book like this is not a a diet plan where you have to go buy all this meat or, or, what, or whatever diet you're following we try to make it as easy as possible and livable but the one thing is it has to be in the back of your mind day in day out hour by hour to stay on top of your hydration so other things that play a role with hydration alcohol coffee Weather. Yeah. Winter. So can we, can we, I know alcohol, coffee, winter, but <laughs> they're all related. I have something to say about all of them. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Let's, well, so let's start with winter. It's funny because our publishers were like, we should publish this book in the summer because this is when, you know, it's going to do the best because everybody's dehydrated in the summer. I actually believe that people are more dehydrated in the winter and especially us that live in New York. I know I have the old radiators in my apartment. I can't tell you, I wake up and my, I used to wake up and my lips are so dry and chapped and it just sucks. Our environments suck the, the hydration out of us. So that's the indoor living in the winter, but actually the indoor living in the summer too, now that we're also air conditioning and fake environments and that kind of thing. But, but yeah, winter's just as dehydrating as summer. Maybe it's not because you're outside and sweating so much, but I, I would assume most people sweat in the summer, work out in the winter and sweat. Being outside, I don't think that necessarily plays so much of a role of dehydrating. I think it's that indoor environment in the winter that we don't take into account. The good thing I think for me is that I typically do better in what I eat in the winter, more soups, more teas, hot teas. So I'm, I think that I, it's a no brainer for me on that I'm hydrating better in the winter than I do in the summer for some reason. It's just, maybe I'm used to it. I've, I've been here all my life growing up in Northern Northeastern States. As far as alcohol, it is dehydrating. There's no nothing, can't say anything great about it. So if you're going to do it, you need to make sure that you're hydrating in between. I like the rule of for every unit of alcohol, you measure unit, whatever it is, a glass of wine, you should drink a glass of water in between. And then the third was coffee. I have great news about coffee. And this makes really everybody so happy is that the research shows that anything under four cups of coffee is not a diuretic. And it's not, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if these people, he's shaking his hands. So yeah, so coffee. And, and I think there's some, if you're drinking good coffee, like clean coffee, the big buzz now about coffee is the mold in it. So you want to make sure, like, look at the mold content of your coffee, which is hard to do because it's not anywhere on the label, but there are some really good brands out there that I'm not an expert in. Look at maybe Dave Asprey's website for that. But good coffee, and then there's the antioxidant benefits of it. As long as you're not drinking it like ice cream with sugar and you know cream and that kind of thing, coffee's a-okay. So you mentioned quality and, and clean, and it, 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 I think of the home, and I think of what many people do is they have tap water, and then they have a, a water filter, and so... How should we be thinking about our drinking water at home? Like what is, I, I joke before the podcast, I remember a dozen or so uh, years ago, I'd be going to yoga all over New York City. And, and then sure enough, in every other class would be someone there selling some sort of filtered water system. Yeah. What's your take on, on water at home and what's available, what's trusted, and, yeah. and just some of the options that are better for you? Yeah. So we're very careful in the book. We don't actually make any recommendations on water filters in the book. We send people to the environmentalworkinggroup.org, ewg.org. They have a list of water filters by based on what you can afford, really, which I think is a really nice thing. And it, it, it turned out to be that it's a vast subject. I think there are ways of checking what the, like the lead contaminants in your water system is where you live. I think in New York, we actually have very good water. I do filter my water at home. I have a reverse osmosis over the counter water filter that AquaTrue is the brand. I actually think is very good. 
the the problem with that, and there's problems with all of them, is that you then have to remineralize your water if you're drinking just that and you're drinking it in large quantities because there's no minerals, there's no nothing in that water that you want to use to replenish those electrolytes. So if you're drinking all that plain bulk tap water that has nothing in it, no minerals, no nothing, you could be actually doing detriment, meaning you're then flushing, you're, you're flushing out electrolytes, not replacing those electrolytes. And, and one of the things you can look for, and I find this all the time, especially in my yogi patients, they're like, I drink water all day long. I'm great about hydrating. I have no problems with that. And then I ask, well, do you get leg cramps? oh my God, I get leg cramps all the time. I thought it's because I'm doing my yoga moves or something wrong. And basically you have them either do like an over-the-counter electrolyte replacement or even some real salt or natural sea salt, Celtic salt, pink salt in not every single glass of water, but a couple of those glasses of water, do a pinch of that with some lemon or something to replace some other minerals and it goes away. So reverse osmosis is not the answer then. There is no... Well, it, it could be if you're, so I use it in my smoothies, right? So I'm using, I'm having all these greens in my smoothies and I drink, and it's okay to drink a few glasses of that water. I use it in my tea because, but I'm adding then, I'm adding things back into it. I mean, it's still the best way to clean your water of contaminants, specifically fluoride, which as we are learning and many people know is is directly toxic to our thyroid. And I abs- I really believe that it is the single most reason why hypothyroidism is rampant right now. So what about sparkling water? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. It's That is mostly what I drink. I drink Pellegrino and I've searched high and low and asked many questions um, to whatever experts I can find and nobody can give me a, a, a real answer. I mean, I think I hydrate well and it is my, my drink of choice. I love it. I love it. Love it. And it's got minerals in it. So I, I think it's fine. I think when you're drinking some of those carbonated waters, there's some theories that I don't think have ever really panned out about the the phosphorus or the some of the other things in it. That, but there are also not a lot of nutritional value in those carbonated waters. I think that the natural sparkling waters that are that have that are mineralized by nature are probably excellent. I hope. So, so I'm curious. <laughs> I love Pellegrino as well. Who else is on your list of maybe two to three brands that people want to uh, reach for sparkling water? Gerald Steiner is the other one. And I actually think that that I read somewhere, and I've never really compared it, so so take this with a grain of salt, no pun intended, that it has more minerals than Pellegrino. I don't know. And what would be a third one? Do you have one off the top of your head? So Colleen, my wife, loves Gerald Steiner. And I actually, I like, I love Pellegrino. It's flavored, but we'll do Waterloo. Oh, I don't know it. Yeah. and then the one we used to love, we still love, but apparently not so good for you. So we've cut our consumption was Topo Chico. Oh, yeah. I, the other thing I started drinking is Spindrift, which is basically yeah. just carbonated water that has a little essence of grapefruit or yeah. some real blackberries in it that I love. Those Spindrift are, and Waterloo were like... Very similar in veins. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. That's good to know. That's good. And I have to tell you, I've gotten more people off of Diet Coke with Spindrift of patients. Yeah. And that alone is worth its weight in gold. So any of those Diet Coke drinkers or Diet Soda drinkers, spend the money, buy the Spindrift. I think they have it at Costco now. So, and, and start changing it out because it's really good. And you got to get off those fake sweetener stuff. Diet Coke's the worst. 
Yeah. Not the worst, but it's not good. There are things no. that are worse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so in terms of what, what I love about your approach too, is it's not just about water itself. You talk about hydrating your way through food. So can we touch on food and some of the best foods in terms of hydration and also on the flip side, some of the worst foods? Yeah. All right. So this is uh, the essence, one of the essences of the book. And and I hope I don't get any eye rolls, but I think it's your audience. I know your audience pretty well. And this has been talked about for so long, but I'm just here to drive it home. A smoothie a day, a green smoothie a day, which I consider a food, is probably the most incredible thing you can do to hydrate yourself. So what I mean by a green smoothie is blended greens in a blender with water and then whatever else you want to throw in there, like uh, half an apple, some lemon, some ginger, whatever it may be. So green smoothies, not necess- there's a difference between a smoothie and a juice. Juicing is good. I think a smoothie is better. You want the fiber. The fiber is what's really acts as a sponge. It's very hydrating. And there's no science in what I'm just in this next sentence that I'm going to tell you, but I know it to be true. I've seen it in my practice. I've seen it in myself. One green smoothie is probably as high, more hydrating or as hydrating as three glasses of the same amount of water or at least two glasses of the same amount of water. You hold on to it better. And I've experimented it with patients with myself patients who say, I drink so much water all day, I can't get quenched. I can't quench my thirst. And and I have them add a green smoothie or two a day and it changes everything because it's you're not flushing out the electrolytes. So so that's a real esoteric food, let's say. I'm, I'm doing quote signs. <laughs> but vegetables are the best way to, to get hydration. That's how, when we talk about the work of Dr. Gerald Pollack, this fourth phase of water, this gel water, he calls it easy water. It's People know it as structured water or gel water. And it has to do with in how the cell, the, those H2O molecules layer upon each other. And it is in that form that's found in nature. So, And it's also in that form that's found within our cells. So the idea of eating more of your vegetables and think about things like, for example, cucumbers. You, when you look at a cucumber seed, it's you could actually literally see the gel around it. Incredibly hydrating. Chia seeds, when you add water to chia seeds, those are the star of the hydrating show in our book. We have a lot of stuff with chia seeds. That's how actually Gina and I really, my co-author, vibed because she would feed her. She gave her mother, who was suffering in a nursing home, from overt dehydration. She would constantly get dehydrated being having to be rushed to the hospital and then coming back. And when she finally asked the nurses, because she read, she's an anthropologist, I'll tell you that story in a second. She asked the nurses to put a little chia seeds in her morning orange juice. She never again became dehydrated because it held onto the moisture better, the hydration better. And she was front loading her water. Interesting. So you mentioned cucumbers. So one of my favorite Mexican restaurants in Brooklyn, Gran Electrica here in Dumbo, has a cucumber margarita. So does the cucumber, <laughs> the combination of the cucumber juice with the tequila, am I, am I all good? Is that, uh, just, is that a uh, wash? No. I'm going to have to go and try. I'll let you know. <laughs> it's, uh, so in terms of, I'm going back to like all the different options out there and quality. What's your take? Is it marketing or what is what does the science say when you, you see claims around alkaline pH? When you started talking about vegetables, you have like alkaline rich foods, which leads me to water. So what's your general take on alkaline pH and what's yeah. real and what isn't? 
Okay. So I definitely think there's something to alkalinizing your body by eating more greens, more vegetables, more green smoothies. Yes, I think that is that is a really good thing to do. I don't think the alkaline water has panned out to 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 do anything. Now, I've looked at some of this I've looked at the research. There's not a lot there on the alkaline water. But I will say with that being said, I have had patients who said I switched to alkaline water. That's all I've done and I feel better. And I don't know if it's because they're hydrating more or whatever, but they're, they're, I, I just don't think the research is there. So I'm not a, a huge fan of alkaline water. I don't think, I don't think it's panned out to, to be much about it. Do you have any other information more than that? No, I, yeah. I, I was just yeah. curious your take. Yeah. And I'm curious what your take is on pH claims with water. Yeah. Yeah. The same. Same. Yeah. The same. It reminds me, Frank Lippman who's my doctor's family. I've seen him for years. I remember asking him a question about colon hydrotherapy. And he was like, I'm not really into it, but I have some patients who swear by it and some people don't. And I, I don't really, there's not really science there, but I, I, if you yeah. like it and it works for you, great. What I like about Couldn't that hurt. statement is, yeah, <laughs> look, at it, well, it, it can if it's the it wrong can. person and so yes. forth. But like, I think there's so much in our world where... Hey, the science isn't really there, but if it yeah. works for you and you feel good, by all means, have at it. Yeah. So. And I have to say, specifically with that, with colon hydrotherapy, it's overwhelming how many patients swear by it. That to me is like, it's sort of night and day. So I do think that there is something to that, but there is zero, zero research on that. And years ago, I was, I was supposed to work with Dr. Dr. Frank Lipman. And I remember, uh, yeah, so I know him very well. He's lovely. He's just lovely. And so in terms of our consumption of water, how should we be thinking about that in terms of the practicality of our day? So like me, for example, I try to go heavier on consumption in the morning and then try to lighten up in the evening. And I have a rule. I I try not to drink a lot of water, if any, after 7 p.m. So I don't find my I'm also a 46 year old man. And I know with men as they age prostate, like I was talking to a a doctor about this. and He was like, oh, just wait till your mid 50s. Men waking up in the middle of the night and peeing is a real issue. And I'm like, great. Like, do you have a general rule of thumb of of some rules that are effective for people and making sure they consume enough water? Yeah, I have some great rules. So what some of the, based on some of the anthropological research, desert people hydrate by front loading their water. So really that whole thing about drinking lemon water in the morning, a big glass of lemon water, I think there's really something to that as well. So first thing, I actually have it at my bedside. I fill it the night before throw some lemon, a squeeze of, uh, of lemon, some sea salt, drink it down, eight to 16 ounces first thing in the morning, sort of soak yourself. That's a really easy thing to do and you'll notice a difference. But by the way, it's the antidiuretic hormone, ADH or vasopressin, that we diminishes as we get older. And that's why as at, during the nighttime, and that it's created mostly at night, that we pee, we don't, it's meant so that we don't get up to pee at night. So you're probably still young enough unless you're drinking a huge glass of water in the middle of the night. But yes, that is absolutely a thing. And as we get older, you do need to sort of, because sleep is as important as hydration, right? (laughs) That we're learning, it really is. So, So rule number one, front load your water. Something that I'm also really interested in learning about, front load your calories, drinking, eating most of your calories earlier in the day and lightening up as you go through the day. So front loading your water, 
Drink a glass of water before every meal, like a half an hour before every meal. That's a great way to get some extra hydration in a day. A green smoothie a day, one or two, really hydrating, really holding on to that water. And then finding what that sweet spot is, what you can tolerate before bed. I think a, a cup of herbal tea an hour or two before bed wouldn't hurt most people. It might be, it might bother you. You have to experiment. Unfortunately, once again, it is so individualized. People have to live in their bodies. You have to know what your set point is and you have to honor what your body's telling you. So another great benefit of hydration is skin health. And I always think vanity is a great motivator. And so can you talk about the power of hydration and how it relates to healthier, glowing skin? Yeah. The the most surprising thing about publishing this book is the amount of estheticians that have supported us in this book. It is this it is probably our single greatest um, source of sales of the book because they know better than anybody that hydration comes from within. And no matter what you put on topically, it's not going to do anything unless you're internally hydrated. Anybody who's ever just experimented with hydrating better, you see it. It's that simple. Let alone the plumping effect of hydrating skin, the detoxing effects of being better hydrated. We need optimal hydration in order to detoxify better. There's, that's how we detoxify. We detoxify through sweat, through pee, through urine, and through pooping. And so if you're not hydrating, you're not doing any of those things. So getting those um, toxins out, hydrating our cells, hydrating, so for two reasons, plumping and detoxifying. So it's February, 2021, a lot going on in the wellness world. I'm curious with regards to hydration, is there any interesting science or research you're paying attention to, you know, in this field? Like where do you think the conversation around hydration and water is, is going next? What's interesting to you? Just last December, and this is going to sound so, so ridiculous, but for the first time, there was a published a study on basically on mice that came out that's showing that this low grade dehydration is a is a risk factor for diabetes. Like we've talked about it, and we talk about it in the book, but they're giving a real sort of hypothesis in in either rats or mice, I don't remember. And that was the first time anything like that had come out. And it was really exciting for me because there are some mention, there are some theories that go around and talking about it. And it has to do with the vasopressin or the antidiuretic hormone that we talked about. And that when you, this low-grade dehydration is a risk factor for diabetes, which as we know is rampant. And going back to my very first statement, the single most important thing that you can do to treat and prevent chronic degenerative disease is learning how to hydrate properly. So so we also talk about, let alone diabetes, but there's Alzheimer's too, which is a, turning out to be a form of diabetes or related to diabetes. So the, that's really exciting to me that they're finally really looking at hydration studies. I, I wish that there were more, there, and there are some things that we could do, but they're not perfect on how to, some simple measures on how to measure this low-grade subclinical dehydration, but they're not there yet. I have one last question. Yes. I'm curious. This is very, this is personal for me. And I just want to know if I'm doing the right thing. So I pay attention to hydration. I do love coffee sometimes. So I was an ex-athlete, played basketball in college, a lot of Gatorade. I don't do Gatorade anymore, but okay. when I find myself dehydrated, I'll go for coconut water. 
So this is the thing. It it depends on, I mean, how much work you're doing. Do you need a little sugar in that coconut water? So if you're if you're really exerting yourself like an athlete, you might need a little carbs in there. So maybe add a little honey. It it depends on what you're doing. If you're running a marathon, you need carbs, right? So to me, it's not necessarily about the carbs or needing the sugar. It, it's I have this preconceived notion. I'm, I'm I'm curious if it's it's the if it's correct. Is okay. I'm I'm dehydrated instead of drinking three or four chugging. A, a, you know, I'm drinking water out of my 32 ounce Yeti right now. Instead yeah. of doing the 32 ounce Yeti, I'm going to do an eight ounce or 16 ounce of harmless harvest coconut water to yeah. get the, without having to drink as much. If I'm out for a long walk where I may have, if I, if I chug the 32 ounces, I'm going to be, you know, peeing in 30 minutes, but I can yeah. achieve the same desired result with the coconut water. Is there any, yeah. is that I think you're, I think you're absolutely right on. It's what I said earlier, because there's those electrolytes in the coconut water that you're not getting in your bulk water. The, going back to my co-author and the chia seeds that the Tarahumara tribe of Mexico, they would run these 50 mile marathons sure. with chia seeds. And that, so it's that chia seeds that are holding on to that hydration much better than just plain bulk water alone. So yeah, I do think you're doing the right thing with that. You may want to add a few little chia seeds in there, let it soak overnight. And that could be even, and, and I, so my opinion is that thing of coconut water is probably as hydrating as three times the amount of water. Okay. Yeah. Or I have a better yet. I we'd say in the book, an apple and a bottle of water is more hydrating than two bottles of water. Okay. I like that. I like that. So in closing, what, what's the biggest misconception about hydration that you'd like to clear up? You've cleared up a lot in this episode, which I can appreciate, but what, what's like, what's the biggest yeah. misconception you want to clear up about hydration? Yeah. That we can overhydrate. And I think many of us are overhydrating. We, for many reasons, we are drinking all this bulk water, plain water with nothing in it all day long, and you're flushing out your electrolytes. And I used to think that it's very rare. It's called polydipsia. That it's very rare to see that. Only if you have certain cancers can lead to this problem where you get electrolyte imbalances. There's not a week that goes by that I don't see a blood test of a patient who has a low chloride and a low sodium. And when I ask them, are you drinking a, t- a lot of water? They're like, yeah, I drink water all day long. I'm really doing great. You're at literally flushing out your electrolytes. And I think that's detrimental. You have to find your sweet spot. But not only that, for if not for the sake of getting those plastic water bottles out of people's hands all day long and buying the cases of it and drinking it all day long. So those the overhydration, I think, is not talked about as much as the dehydration or underhydration. I love it. I love yeah. it. Well, Dana, fascinating. Thank you so much. Everyone listening, got to hydrate, but don't overhydrate. Got to get the book, Quench. It's out paperback too. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dana. 